This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm Matt Addison, David Lynch and Richard Garnett both with me today. No games over the weekend, of course. It looks like Chelsea versus Liverpool next weekend might be off as well, at least as we record this podcast. But there is a Champions League fixture midweek against Ajax and that looks as though it's going to be on. So with that in mind, we're going to preview that game at Anfield. We'll discuss the latest on Liverpool's injuries and how the Reds reinvent themselves, as Jurgen Klopp said in his press conference. He had a few ideas around what might need to be changed. We'll have a chat around what we think might need to be changed over the next few weeks. Lynch, I'll come to you first, though. No football this weekend. We discussed kind of the reasons behind that on Friday. We don't need to kind of go over old ground there, really. But just purely in a football sense, does this help Liverpool or has it hindered them, you think? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to judge, isn't it? Because I'm sure the players would have sold it either way, really, in terms of if they had that quick turnaround into a game against Wolves at home, they would have said that's the perfect opportunity to bounce immediately back and, and get and start up hopefully a, a winning run but you know you look at some of the problems that were there in in Naples and you think that maybe that that little bit of time off or not necessarily time off because I know they were training on Saturday but that that actually might be helpful in terms of working out a couple of the issues that Liverpool have, have faced this season now I mean whether that's actually worth anything because we've seen some of these issues repeatedly I'm, I'm not sure so you know but hope, you'd hope that that having that extra little bit of training and a bit of time to think about what's going wrong and, and discussions amongst themselves that whether this team can can sort of sort it out and, and and maybe going into this now, the next Champions League game, which they know is 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 crucial, really having lost the first one, and you know you hope that 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 little break can can do them some good and that they come back and they they look a little bit more like their old selves. Yeah, Rich, we, we kind of, uh, well, I mentioned before the, the Chelsea game at, at the weekend, obviously, the uh, the fact that we don't know whether that's going to be on at this moment in time or not. I mean, we could almost do with knowing that to work out then what happens against Chelsea. It kind of feels like Liverpool could do with knowing that so that they know how long the players can play on Tuesday. It will affect things on, on Tuesday, depending on what happens on Sunday. Yeah, well, um, it, it's always nice to know if you've got a game uh, by the end of the week, isn't it? And there seems to be um, a little bit of a delay in uh, the uh, decision makers announcing that. I mean, I suppose that there are obviously this is a slightly unprecedented situation. There are a lot of logis- logistical situations, and I, I guess the authorities need to work through each game individually as to work out what can go ahead and what can't. I, I just can't see. I can't see uh, how. Uh, Liverpool's game can go ahead at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. If if Arsenal's game against PSV Eindhoven is already off on Thursday, what what hope for Sunday? And it, obviously, you don't want to don't want to second guess something too much. But I, I reckon Jurgen Klopp would pretty much now be planning uh, to pick a side for tomorrow evening, um, taking into account that it's very unlikely that they'll be playing at the weekend. Yeah, we'll come on to, to kind of Ajax specifically and sort of the teams as well. We'll predict our teams as we always do at the end of, of the podcast. But just sort of generally, Lynch, I mean, we obviously know that the result that Liverpool had last midweek wasn't particularly brilliant to, to start it. In one sense, it doesn't matter that they lost that match. The performance was probably a bigger issue than anything else. But I suppose what you would say is that when you look at you know the, the teams and the, the matches to come, 
if Liverpool don't win on Tuesday, they then give themselves a hell of a lot to do in the last four last games four of this group stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plus you think, you know, given the way that the, the group is made up in terms of, you know, you'd say three big hitters and rangers of the other team. It's been a while since they've been in the Champions League. It's going to be difficult for them. We saw that in their, their opening group game. Um, so, you know, the, the games at home for Liverpool are, are absolutely humongous. I think, you know, coming into Sykes one, it, it, coming up against one of the, the main challenges, the big three in the group, you, you really need to sort of set your stall out with a win there. So, you know, this game just feels hugely important. And, you know, you throw in the factor of, of, of having the break around it, the games postponed around it. We do expect that Chelsea game to probably be off. Then you know that if, if Liverpool don't get a positive result in this one, then the pressure just builds a little bit more. There's a, there's an extra sort of few days for people to talk about it and analyse the result and what went wrong. So, you know, all this sort of adds up to making this a really important game. And I think, you know, I think Jürgen Klopp will have emphasised that to the players, that it's very important that they sort of go out and, and not necessarily make a statement, but just look like themselves, you know, play like themselves, outrun the opposition as a, as a starting point, because that's something they've done very infrequently this season, you know. Um, and, and just yeah, look like look like the top football team that they are. You know, they, we forget how many good players are in this group, and it's easy to say, oh well, you know, this this team has reached its peak or has passed it now. And we, you know, we sort of all prophesize about how negative things are at times, but you know, some incredible footballers in this group still. It's a, it's a great squad. They just need to start showing it a little bit more regularly. And I think yeah, this this game against Ajax, a big European night at Anfield, it's a really good opportunity for them to do that. And hope you know you hope if you get a win, then that really does set them up to to at least qualify from the group. In you know, if not in first, then in second at least. Yeah, obviously the the result is obviously important, Rich. It, it always is going to be given the the circumstance of it, but the performance as well as Lynch said there. I mean, they've had a a few days to to work on things. This is kind of it's getting to the point where we kind of need to see those things in games now. It can't just be a case of every every game. It's like well, the, the next one they'll improve. They surely can't be as bad again. It's getting to the point where they kind of need to, to prove that now. Well, you'd certainly hope they couldn't be any worse than they were against Napoli, wouldn't you? Um, but in terms of, you know, we need to turn it around with a win in the next game. The games, apart from the games disappearing with postponements uh, and an international break, uh, the games aren't actually getting any easier, are they? Ajax is not going to be an easy match at home. Just have a quick look at where they are um, in the Dutch league. The top... Played six, won six, scored 21 goals, conceded three. So that pretty much tells you all you need to know about Ajax at the moment. Obviously, I think they beat Rangers 4-0 as well, didn't they? So absolutely flying. OK, the Dutch league might not be the strongest in Europe, but uh, that that certainly is no uh, excuse to try and underestimate what type of team might turn up at Anfield tomorrow. They're going to be full of confidence. They're going to smell blood in a vulnerable Liverpool side. And there's going to be a lot of responsibility on the team and the crowd as well to silence this Ajax side and remind them of where they are and who they're playing against. And and if if, if Liverpool can do that collectively, then we, you know we we might see a better representation of what a Jurgen Klopp side looks like. And let's be honest, they're absolutely desperate for a win. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, how much do you you sort of know Lynchy about Ajax? I don't know how many of the players you will have seen before and, and that kind of thing. But there's there's a couple of, of interesting names in there. You think of someone like Steven Bergwijn. We've seen him a little bit in, in England at, at certain times. And they do have good players, but normally, at least, Liverpool would be heavy favourites for this one. I suppose the only reason it doesn't quite feel like that is because of what we've seen from Liverpool in the past few weeks. If they play well, they should comfortably be able to win this game. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be sort of applying for a job as an IX correspondent anytime soon in terms of the depth of my knowledge about them. But I would say, you know, one thing you do know about the club is that they're very good at sort of, even if you lose managers and players, which is something we've seen happened uh, this summer, that they, they're pretty consistent in terms of the level of performance they managed to put up in their league. And they're always, you know, put together decent runs in the Champions League or they always, you know, have a very sort of set identity that, you know, what you're going to get when you come up against them. But, you know, as you say, there are players we know there, but, Bergwijn's a good example in terms of, you know, he came to the Premier League, didn't particularly tear up any trees, and there is that gap there between the Eredivisie and the Premier League, and I think, you know, Liverpool can't forget that. They shouldn't be coming into this game with fear, just because, you know, they maybe didn't find the level against Napoli, because again, you know, there's a gap that exists between Serie A and the Premier League, and that was just, you know, Napoli made that, you know, look a joke, really, didn't they, in terms of how they performed against Liverpool, but that, you know, that that difference in level is there and Liverpool really need to get back to being that team that emphasise that, that really place the foot on the throat of the opposition if they are at a slightly lower level. And, and as good as Ajax are and as brilliantly run as that club is, you know, this team is not at the level of the Liverpool team they're coming up against. And, you know, with the home crowd behind them, you hope Liverpool can show that and, it, you know, it, they, they really need to at the moment. I think they, they need as well, Rich, for one or two of the the most important players to kind of stand up and, and be counted and show a bit of leadership almost. You think of even someone like Trent possibly could fall into that category now, but certainly someone like Virgil van Dijk, further forward, Mohamed Salah. There's there's good players in this Liverpool team that are just not really playing the way that we know that they can do at the moment. And I suppose this is an opportunity, as all games are at the moment, for them to kind of start that turnaround. But it does feel like only one or two of those big players need to perform well and maybe the results would be a little bit different for Liverpool. Well, Trent's now part of uh, Jürgen Klopp's uh, player committee on the pitch. He's, he's in that sort of uh, line to the captain's armband throne, so to speak. Uh, and, and some of those players uh, are, are missing. Jordan Henderson injured. James Milner, 36, already seems to have played more football than would have been expected uh, at this stage in the season. Uh, and when, you, when you're looking beyond that, you're looking for more leaders. Virgil van Dijk's form's been uh, a little bit um, questionable. And now Andy Robertson's uh, injured. So certainly certainly players like Trent and Allison, um, another member of that player committee, uh, need, needs to be uh, taking a lead and, and demonstrating that. And, and the best way to do that is with your own performance on the pitch. You've got to lead by example. Uh, I think... Some of these players know full well that they, they just weren't at the level against Napoli and that, that's just not acceptable. The minimum requirement in any, any game you play is, is maximum effort and, and to leave it all out there on the pitch. And if, if things aren't working tactically or, 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 or in any other respect, then you can analyse that. But, but no Liverpool supporter is ever going to be satisfied if, if a Liverpool team or Liverpool players are not perceived to be given 100%. And there were certainly a few instances in that match against Napoli where, where people were quite within the rights to, to question what on earth was going on. Uh, not only I just want to pinpoint uh, uh, Trent, though. I'm, I'm sure he, he, we know all, know all about his world-class quality and he, he certainly will bounce back. But at the other end of the pitch, we've got uh, Mohamed Salah signed his big, massive contract and... and for whatever reason, just just hasn't had the same uh, impact so far this season. It's not that he's not doing anything; he's still contributing. You know, in chances, in terms of uh, chances created, and he's already had a couple of assists. But but 
in terms of a, a, a threat and run, running at opponents, he seems to have been marginalised. Whether that's because Sadio Mane is gone or he's struggling to adapt, I was going to say struggling to adapt with Darwin Nunes, come in, he missed three games. So we, we can't really level that too much, can we? Uh, but he, he, he's another one who, you know, I, I mean, I would look at Mo Salah, though he's not in that player committee, I look at him as a, as a captain material, really. He's, he's someone who's, who's done the business now for so many seasons, a star player. If that's not leading by example, I don't know what is. But, it, but again, he, he's got to do it himself as well. And, and the best thing he can do tomorrow is go out there, create chances, score goals, and remind everyone why he's such a feared player in, in Europe, a, a Ballon d'Or contender, no less. We just haven't really seen too much evidence of that so far. So some of these some of these uh, senior players, they certainly need to step up. We, we found ourselves asking far too much of the likes of Harvey Elliott and even uh, Fabio Cavallio coming off the bench. These are good promising players, but, you know, asking them to dig Liverpool out of uh, the hole they've all of a sudden found themselves in is far too much to ask, I think. And then uh, that the other extreme of it, you've got, um, James Milner is obviously a highly experienced player, but but he's he's thirty six. He, he, you know we're not we're not expecting him to start football matches uh, for Liverpool really, and yet he's having to. So so problems there at either end of the spectrum. But if if the likes of Salah and Trent and Virgil can pull the socks up, it's not going to take that much to turn it round. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, plenty of, of stuff. Sorry, like, yeah, I'll let you come in. Yeah, right, sorry. One thing I wanted to say about that is it's interesting that Richard mentioned sort of Salah and Trent as two of the senior players that aren't sort of, you know, reaching their level at the moment. I would agree with that. Um, but I do wonder whether some of that goes back to the midfield issue we're seeing um, and whether that, that that is linked to that in terms of, you know, do they quite have that protection down? Does Trent quite have that protection down that side? Is that link up on the other side of the ball with with Elliot and Salah working as well as it might? You know, I think Jurgen Klopp is asking an awful lot of Harvey Elliott as a young player. I think has been fantastic in terms of um, on the ball this season, but but off it is you know, are we asking quite a lot of him as a young player to understand exactly where to be and to be doing it at that extremely high level that Liverpool have been hitting in recent seasons? I I think maybe that you know on the on the opposite side of the ball in in, in defensive transition is is causing a little bit of an issue for liverpool and then you know going forward as well it just hasn't quite worked itself out how trent elliot and, and salah all make that triangle but it doesn't sort of take away from salah getting into goal scoring positions so i think you know that the, the fact that those two players aren't aren't hitting the levels they have previously i think speaks to the idea that something's not quite right in the middle of the park and i think that's you know, feeds into a lot of issues that Liverpool have generally had this season. And I'm not putting that on Elliot at all. I think he's a fantastic young player. I think it's decisions the manager has made in terms of how this team is put together that are having a knock-on effect on certain players and things aren't looking quite right. I think we said um, last week as well, didn't we, that, that or agreed that Elliot had been playing well and, and there's been no shortage of effort and there's certainly no doubt in his quality. You can see that straight away. But he doesn't appear to be affecting the game in the right areas. And and that I think is probably just a result of the fact that he is what nineteen years old and he's just just not that experienced and and, and playing in this this well oiled uh, Jurgen Klopp machine. So I, I think it's a fair point. It probably is having some sort of knock on effect on the others. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with with both of those points. And we were going to move on actually to to a few different things. Jurgen Klopp spoke didn't he after the the Napoli game? I think 
to BT immediately after the game. He used the word reinvention. He kind of rode back a little bit on that in his press conference afterwards. But then today he did kind of admit that he'd been speaking to a, a few different players this week. Liverpool been working on a few things. So I thought we'd have a, a bit of a chat really around sort of what the, the solutions might look like, how Jurgen Klopp can get Liverpool backfiring again, I think is, is the big question. But there's probably several elements to that. One of them I was going to touch upon was Harvey Elliott Lynch. I suppose it's probably too early to, to say that him in midfield isn't quite working, like you say. But what, what do you think is the, the tweak? How do, do Liverpool get that balance right? Because it did it did work a little bit at the start of, of last season. It's not like this is a, a completely new trio that have never played together. That Salah, Elliot, Trent triangle, it, it really did work for last season. Yeah, and I think I think an attacking sense, yeah, it, it very much did. Something doesn't seem quite right about it in terms of the shift we've seen from Salah and, and Klopp denied that that was a tactical thing in terms of turning into more of a creator rather than a, a person who finishes the moves off. Um, he said, you know, that that's just a coincidence, really. He sort of sold it as really uh, when he was asked about it. But I think, yeah, I think with Harvey Elliott, I don't like I say, I don't think I want to say that he's causing a problem or anything like that. I, I do wonder what effect sort of having Thiago back in, in on the other side of midfield will have on him in terms of that might help him quite a lot in terms of balancing things up because I think Fabinho and Thiago operate almost. It's it's not like Thiago is that eight on the left-hand side. He doesn't sort of play like that. He's, he's, he is an out-and-out midfielder. And I think so what he's going to... He almost becomes a two with Fabinho and allows Elliot to tuck into central positions and then act as a sort of a number 10 or a, a sort of number eight, however you like to sort of call it. Um, so I think maybe him coming back could could have a, could sort of fix a lot of issues. I mean, maybe we are putting a lot of expectation about on on what he can do in, in this team, and you know, thinking he'll solve all the problems, and maybe he won't. But I do I do think in that midfield area, his, his quality and sort of intelligence could have a really big effect, and hopefully that will have an effect on on how Elliot plays. And I suppose you, your alternative to that, if that isn't quite working in this four three three, then is to sort of talk about a formation change. And I know. You know, it's been discussed before about potential for four-two-three-one, and whether you know you two is Thiago and Fabinho, and you the more set roles like that, and then you have Elliot in that ten position as one of the three. Um, but he's got a few options there. He's he's not going to get anything really back in terms of personnel in midfield. He's he's going to have to sort of find the changes from within and, and tactical tweaks, and maybe those those are a couple of options to him. But you know, yeah, he's he's got to find something different. This this reinvention that he, even though he rode back on it, I think it needs to happen because the team is just it just isn't functioning at the moment. Yeah, the the formation, Rich, is, is something that we have a conversation about really every two or three weeks. Even when Liverpool are, are performing well, it's it's something that always gets kind of brought up and and we discuss it on these podcasts. But uh, to be honest, I think if ever there was an argument for it, it, it probably is now with the the lack of, of midfield options, possibly getting other players into to better positions that are more suited to them. But I suppose that the kind of reverse argument that Jurgen Klopp might put forward is, like Lynchy says, if you've got Thiago, Fabinho and Elliott in a midfield three, there's probably not that much difference between a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 just in terms of the positions that those players take up. Which which side of it are you on? Um, I, well, there's first off, there's an argument for both. So I can, I can pitch myself as on the fence in that respect. Um, but I would be at the moment. I I, I would I'd be t- tempted not to um, tinker the formation necessarily straight away. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First off, I, I do think that um, Jurgen's comments in his post-match uh, presser 
were a little bit reactive. I'm not saying need yet, but I think he was still pretty quite shell-shocked by um, the defeat. He, in some respects, he almost looked a little bit lost for words, and that's not something you could um, you could say about Jurgen Klopp all that often. He was clearly uh, clearly not pleased with what had happened, and and I suppose he wanted to say something that that kind of says, I, I you know, I can change this, we can fix this, um, but. Is, is backtracking on that slightly. I, I, I almost understood because he's not going to, he's had a successful formation for so long. He's not necessarily just going to throw that in the bin uh, after a few uh, bad results and performances, but it's the performances is which is the key point really, because if they played well against Napoli and still not managed to create anything, um, then I, I think I'd be sitting there now saying, yeah, they definitely need to try some sort of different formation now. But, but, the, the bottom line is they just did not perform. They just did not play well against Napoli. It was a below par performance. It was it, it wasn't an acceptable Liverpool performance, and that can be correct, uh, corrected by acknowledging that and, and simply playing better the, ne- the next time you, you go out onto the pitch and and, and applying yourself to that situation more. And, and I would like to think that's exactly what we'll see against um, Ajax. And if if you did that and you still weren't winning games or you you still were, you weren't creating chances, then I think then you've got to look at it and say, all right, we definitely need to change something here. But I, I, I believe that Liverpool, I'm not saying this is the answer to all their problems, but I believe Liverpool can quite quickly get better results just by performing better, regardless of the formation that they're playing. Yeah, there's certainly a few sort of bits to, to answer our tour as well. We'll come into that a little bit if he can get himself match fit. But I think he looked a, a little bit of a, a way off that being the case. I think it's fair to say against Napoli when he came on. So it could be a little while before we, we see that. I think I think there's a few questions in terms of, of the forward line as well. Obviously, Darwin Nunez, it's it's early days. Diogo Jota now is, is back in Lynch as well. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of lines up because... It almost feels like for for the first time, really, we're not quite sure what Liverpool's best front three is under Jurgen Klopp. We're not quite sure how they want to do it, and also with the the five options, they're all very different options, aren't they? You think of the three players that tend to play as that number nine; they're all completely different directions in terms of what they bring to the table. Yeah, because you know we spoke about the idea of of needing to sort of win the game against Ajax. It's important for various reasons, but so. You know, you go into that. And you say, okay, we'll we'll put your best forward line out, and, and as you say, I don't think that's an easy decision to make. I think, okay, Mohamed Salah is definitely on the right hand side, and you know, given the evidence of what we've seen, then Luis Diaz probably does start on the left. He's probably preferred by the manager out there. But then that centre forward position is is tricky. I think there's a you know real keenness to sort of get Darwin Nunez up and running as soon as possible. But you know, you can't detract from what Diogo Jota has done in the past in terms of his goal scoring rate. That said. Jota is now sort of 14 games for Liverpool, seven of which are starts without a goal now. So, you know, that form is something you also have to consider. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. And I think it, it you know, it speaks to the, thing, the problem that they've not created for themselves, but it's a problem that comes about from losing someone who was so vital in Sadio Mane, who was so obviously a starter, and then replacing with someone who's a little bit of a project. And that, that makes things difficult for you. So, yeah, it's, it's not instantly obvious who who will be the you know the, the starting front three there and then you know that that means you've no guarantees going into this game you've you, you're coming up against Ajax knowing that there might be a little bit of a problem you might you know miss some chances you might not be in the right position you might struggle to create a little bit and 
Liverpool have got enough problems as it is. So, yeah, not, not an ideal position for the manager to be in, to be honest. In terms of Diogo Jota, Rich, I mean, what what is his role now, do you think? We've seen Liverpool spend a lot of money on Darwin Nunez. We've seen him play in all three of the forward positions, but it does kind of feel like he's sort of been bumped back down again. He, he obviously had his, his injuries. He was really good first half of last season, not so good second half, as you could probably say with one or two of those options in the forward line. But it, it sort of feels like he's got to almost re-establish his role in that Liverpool forward line again. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, to be honest with you. He signed Darwin Nunes. He's paid big money for that player. Um, he's not going to sit on the bench, is he? Surely not. Not not with the size of the investment that he's got, it, regardless of sort of a sort of indifferent start that he's had. Um, that he's going to be starting through the middle, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of Jota, I'm a big fan of Jota. But I do agree. I think he has sort of found himself back down the pecking order. And, and it, it's really just down to him to be able to play his way back into it uh, and dislodge one of these players, whether it's through the middle, which which I think is his best position as, as a bit of a goal poacher, a goal getter. He's, he's absolutely superb of getting in front of his front of the defender at the front post and making things happen in that respect. Um, but, he, you know, he can play in other roles. And I don't think... Um, Actually, at the moment, it would take too much to be able to get yourself into this forward line, score a couple of goals, and you're probably in it, aren't you? You know what I mean? There's not a lot, not a lot of goals being scored by forwards at the moment. So, and if we take if we take um, Bournemouth in isolation, as I think we've got to really, um, it, it's all to play for. So, yeah, he has he has dropped down the pecking order a bit. Thought he looked uh, pretty rusty against Napoli, to be honest. Um, couldn't read too much into that really, um, but. I'd expect them to get minutes against Ajax, but I don't, I don't think he'll start. Um, but I would expect them to get um, to, to, to come on at some point in the second half. Uh, and I don't, it's not going to take, based on the on the last outing, it's not going to take much of a performance from one of these forwards to put themselves into the to the forefront of Jurgen Klopp's thinking. And then your forward line can look quite different within a couple of weeks, can't it? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think Luis Diaz has looked pretty good the first few weeks, but then at the same time, he's looked a bit tired. He's probably the one that you could do with taking out, really. So plenty of things for Jurgen Klopp to think about. But just before we finish the podcast, we're going to go through and pick our teams for the game. So we'll try and answer a few of those questions as we go along. You know, obviously, it'll be Alisson in goal. I think probably Lynch as well. We can predict a couple of... Uh, Changes in the back line. Obviously, the injury to Andy Robertson isn't particularly helpful for Liverpool. At least there is, though, a player who can come in in Simicast, but probably one or two changes across the back four. Yeah, so Simicast in at left back, you'd expect. And also, I think, you know, Joel Matip um, will, will probably keep hold of his place after coming on at half time in, in Naples. You feel for Joe Gomez a little bit because I think he was one of the sort of the better players in the in the in the back line really at, at the start of the season, and then just it was so poor in Naples that you, you've got to really drag him out there. I totally understand why the manager made that decision, but you know if you, you take his season as a whole, I think it was a, it's a little bit unfair that he's going to he's found himself in this position. But you, you know th- those are the standards Liverpool set. You can't afford really to have a half like that. So. So he's, he's, he's got to come out, really, hasn't he, for, for Joel Matip and then obviously Van Dijk. And, and, and Trent has not, like we've said, he's not really been pulling up trees this, this season. But I think you've got, he, he's so crucial. You've got to play him back into form. And there's there's not an obvious candidate to come in and take his place because 
you know, personally, I don't really want to be seeing James Milner there in, in a game of this importance. I think you need, you need Trent there. So, yeah, that sort of picks itself, really. Yeah, same for, for you, Rich. I think there's, there's not too many options, is there, at the moment in that position? No, uh, I, I pick exactly the same back four. You've got to bring Matip back in. There's no question about that for me. Um, yeah, as you say, Gomez, a little unlucky, but he had, you know, he's been waiting for an opportunity, and when it's come, um, at, at just at the wrong moment, he's he's had a bit of a stinker. So um, that's that's something he'll have to live with. I'm afraid he could have even been putting pressure under Trent uh, right back, but but based on his Napoli performance, there's there's no chance of that happening, is there? So so Trent keeps his place, Matic and Van Dijk, uh, and Simica's in at left back. And much in the same way we've said about uh, Gomez there, this is a massive opportunity for, for Costa Simicas, isn't it? He, he may have an opportunity here to get a sustained run in the side. And what he what he delivers between now and Andy Robinson's uh, recovery will determine exactly what type of Liverpool career he's going to have. Yeah, it certainly feels like a, a bit of a chance for one or two players. We'll move on to the midfield. I'll stick with you, Rich, for this one. I think probably two of them are certainties and maybe there's a, a third player in there that's maybe a bit of a, a choice. But talk us through your, your midfield. Uh, well, I'm going to assume that you're... I should never assume, Matt, but I'm going to assume uh, that your two uh, shoe-ins are Fabino and Thiago. Yep. Um, so I'm going to actually going to complete a uh, Portuguese-speaking triangle uh, by throwing an Artemilo as well. Um, which may uh, shock you, Matt, as you said, we probably won't see much of him yet. But uh, yes, he may be a little bit short on fitness, but I think he can potentially start this game uh, and create a bit of a solid midfield, um, some sort of base in which um, it can act as an access for the rest of this team. It just hasn't looked, the, the midfield just hasn't looked right all season. It, it's been a, a bit dysfunctional. And I feel these three, Arthur obviously still pretty much untried, but you've, you've got to give them the opportunity. And, and you look at the other options, I think you've just got to um, take Harvey Elliott out, out of the firing line here a little bit and and, and give give him a rest and, and see how these three can operate together, just to see if it shores things up a bit. But what one thing I would say is there can be no shortage of energy in that midfield. It, looking at it, it doesn't look like the uh, most energetic midfield, but it has got ball players in there and uh, I'd like to see that start tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Harvey Elliott. I know I, I do keep saying there's there's got to be a point where you take him out and give him a bit of a rest, but possibly if Chelsea's not on at the weekend, maybe there's a bit of an opportunity to, to just go again and, and a bit like what we said before, Lynch, you see what it's like with him and, and Thiago together. Is is that the way you're going as well? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think let, let's just see if Thiago solves some of those issues. Let's see, you know, fingers crossed he does in, in some way. And I think... With Artur, I think if he'd have looked a little bit sharper when he when he came on against Napoli, he would maybe be ready for a start. But I just wonder whether Klopp is quite conservative, isn't he? And I think with a new player in a game that he knows he probably needs to win, he, he may not trust him just, just yet. I mean, I, I may be wrong. I've been wrong many, many times about picking a team in this. So, uh, But yeah, I think he might just go try this Thiago, Elliot, and Fabinho midfield and just see how they go. Yeah, I think we'll probably see our tour maybe off the, the benches is more likely than anything else. Let's move into the, the forward line, Rich. There's a couple of, of interesting decisions. I know I definitely want to see Darwin Nunez. I think we've got to kind of give him a bit of a, a run of games at some point. It, it feels like one that he could start and, and have a bit of joy in. But which three are you going to go with? Yeah, you've got to play Nunez down the middle. Um, 
we simply haven't seen enough of him. We need to see him at Anfield, see what he can do. He made his name in the Champions League. That will have formed a lot of the reason why Liverpool bought him in the first place. So this could be his time to shine. Um, if there's no, there was no game against Wolves on Saturday, and it looks like no game against Chelsea um, this weekend by the looks of things, as as we this is recorded. Um, so there's no point in giving Mo Salah a rest. You might as well keep him in there. Uh, and see what he can do as far as I'm concerned. And, of course, Luis Diaz was was Liverpool's best performer for the majority of the game against Napoli. And um, I still have memories of that brilliant goal he scored at the cop end uh, earlier in the season. It was against Crystal Palace, was it? I'd like to see a little bit more of that tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll stick with that front three of Salah, Nunes and Diaz. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. I think I probably would have taken Luis Diaz out had the game against Wolves gone ahead or perhaps if the Chelsea one was was likely to be going on. But Lynchy, is it the, the same front three for you or is there possibly an argument for, for a Jota or possibly even Roberto Firmino? I think the manager might want to maybe start Firmino in terms of just, you know, that comfort blanket of someone he really trusts in a game of this magnitude. But I think there's just that desperation there to get Nunez going to really sort of get him a run. And, you know, although he's been out for three games, he, he, he has been fit. He's trained all through that. He's ready to go. Jota is probably not quite at that full sharpness yet because he's had quite a while out with his injury. So I think, yeah, I, I agree. Actually, I think, I think Nunez will, will start in there with Diaz and Salah. Yeah, certainly an exciting forward line. With that in mind, we'll do our match predictions as well. Just before we finish, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to go 3-1 to Liverpool. I definitely can't see there being a clean sheet, but I do think there's a good chance that they can score. You'd like to think that at Anfield in particular, they can do that. Lynchy, I'll come to you first. Score prediction. Uh, I yeah, let's go bold. I think I think Liverpool will be angry. I think they'll want to really put a show on. And this is at Anfield on a European night. It's going to be loud. So I'm just, uh, I'm just going to say 4-0. Oh, 4-0. Certainly take that, Rich. Look, Liverpool's last game, I predicted nil-nil, and they lost 4-1. <laughs> uh, and so we're going from a 4-1 defeat to Lynchy's now got us winning 4-0. So this is this is like an eight-goal, seven-goal swing. Um, I don't know if I can be that optimistic. Um, Liverpool need clean sheets, but I can't actually see where the next one's coming from. So I do think they're going to concede. I do think the crowd's going to be up for it, a little bit football-starved either side of it. Um, and it does have Ajax good team to watch it does have a potential to be a little bit of a classic I'll stay positive because I, I must uh, and I'm going to go Liverpool 3 Ajax 2 oh yeah big big game that one I think I think you're right in the sense that Ajax will definitely go for it I don't think it's going to be an easy one for Liverpool by any stretch I think they'll uh, they'll certainly give them a good game but we shall see which one of us if any of us are correct with those score lines if you want to watch Jurgen Klopp or Joel Matip's press conferences in full you can do so across the Blood Red YouTube channel loads more before and after the game as well we'll also have the latest on that Chelsea game that we discussed next weekend doesn't look like it's going ahead but if it is or it isn't, you'll know on the Liverpool Echo website. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.